Toontown Public Works is not for kids, even though Sir Casey and I are childish cartoons. We try our best to keep the show PG-13, but regardless, we do talk about a lot of adult content. Stuff like weird sex things, and, um, and butts! Enjoy the show! Toontown Historical Society presents Toontown Public Works, a program where three highly unqualified doofuses make a mockery of themselves in the name of preserving this great city's forgotten classics. Hello and welcome to Toontown Public Works, where we judge the ink to find the hidden gems. I'm Ishida Raccoon. I'm Casey the dog. I'm Serge the cat. Hi. Hello. Um, so yeah, this is the first episode recording from my new place, and we're not going to have that weird church music just blaring in and ruining everything again. Does our audience know about the church music thing? Yeah, yeah. I we, think we, uh, yeah, we've, we've brushed on it. Mm. Very briefly, yeah, because like my old apartment was like literally, like literally attached to a church. <laughs> like it. It's like a small church, and uh, it was... Like, it was weird, because, like, it'd be one thing if it was just on, like, the Sunday mornings when they were loud or whatever. Like, I can deal with that. Um, it's that they had services, like, every other day in the evenings. And yeah, I don't know it what that's about. it ended up being a minor inconvenience for us at times. HG, I'm yeah. realizing now we, we've made a mistake. You should have stayed where you were, because we could have, like, we could have kept on tagging our podcast religion off of that. <laughs> we could have brined our audience a bit. We could have you. You could have saved our souls from eternal damnation through osmosis. <laughs> it's it's subliminal. Well, I've already yeah. quit subliminal Christian propaganda in every <laughs> one of our uh, episodes. So I mean, it's kind of unnecessary at this point. Um, so subliminal Christian subliminal Christian propaganda. What are you referring to? Christ is Lord. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, that is reversed. It like yeah. that's, that's, so. So, uh, Alex, go ahead, just take that same clip and reverse it. <laughs> that, that, that should there be fun for. That should be fun <laughs> for diehard fans to decrypt. <laughs> Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Um, yep. But okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, now there's a lot of stuff that's actually happened, and <laughs> uh, since uh, we last recorded, so we're gonna get right on it. Uh, so uh, we have uh, let's see, the first thing I actually want to talk about real quick, uh, just because it's kind of simpler to talk about, is uh, we have there was a new trailer for uh, Wreck It Ralph two, or actually the first trailer for Wreck It Ralph two that was released. Um, or rather, Ralph Wrecks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2, which is a terrible title, but what can you do? <laughs> um, uh, but, okay, so, uh, I have my thoughts, Casey has their false thoughts, uh, and I guess, okay, my opinion is that it's okay. I know Casey's is that, that it's not okay. It's not, well, no, it's not, my opinion is not that it's not okay. I think I think we're pretty close on this actually. I'm like I, I I'm ambivalent towards the film because I thought the trailer was not uh I well I I guess where I've landed on it is I don't think the trailer is going to be an accurate representation of what the film is going to be like. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it was it was kind of loaded with referential humor 
And I, mean, I feel like that's something that maybe draws in an audience. Like I, I guess what I'm what I'm getting well, at is the trailer in and of itself, if the if the whole movie is like the trailer, it's not a good movie. Right, no. Um yeah. and here's the thing, like I feel like that's the case for a lot of Disney trailers. Uh like specifically the Disney animated trailers, because the first Wreck It Ralph, uh Definitely made it seem like it was more referential than it was. Yeah. Uh, and it honestly was really referential. But the weird thing is that it was less referential for video games and more for candy. And I'm not sure what that's about. Um, but then uh, but then Zootopia has made it seem like it was just going to be a bunch of dumb animal puns. Uh, and Disney's uh, not good with trailers. No, uh, there's the Tangled like- trailer. There's the Tangled trailer, which basically made it look like it was a DreamWorks movie. The Frozen um, trailer, which was just snowman antics. You know, like I yeah. feel like uh, I feel like a part of the problem is that uh, trailers for animated films are often marketed towards children. Like a famously bad trailer for a movie we all like is the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like if someone hadn't told me. Like, if someone would have showed me that trailer and hadn't told me it was by Wes Anderson, I probably wouldn't have seen it. I I can't say I remember that trailer uh, very well, honestly. Um, but I would... I don't know. I, 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 uh, I feel like a better example of a terrible trailer uh, would be for uh, the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. Because the, I... that movie... Like, that trailer basically did not... Oh yeah, no, that movie that looks terrible. Like. <laughs> I remember the trailer for I mean, the Lego um, movie. I I remember the trailer for Mega Ma- Movie, and it, I didn't hate it like some people did. I actually was willing to give it a chance, especially since the visuals were really creative and interesting. Though I did understand people being cautious about it because I was cautious about it. Um, but uh, but but really, with the Wreck It Ralph trailer, Wreck It Ralph Two trailer, it's uh. I mean, like, I feel like like there's people who can compare it to the Emoji Movie. And as someone who has seen the Emoji Movie, the main difference between that and the Wreck-It Ralph trailer is that the Wreck-It Ralph trailer has jokes. Yeah, but what they have in common is is a concept. Well, in concept, yeah, they're very similar in ideas. Um, But I I would honestly say that that idea isn't necessarily that new to begin with. Uh, Oh, definitely not. I've seen I've seen it a way around like there's been a lot of jokes like there's a there's a Futurama episode where they go on the internet which basically uses the same guy that Rekka Ralph uses about the clickbait and stuff. Right. So like um, there's a Chappelle anything... show skit that did the same thing as well. Oh yeah, like, I haven't seen that one, but like if if uh, if we were to use the first Rekka Ralph film as an indicator for what the second one was, like in the first one they kind of got all of the video game references out of their system in the first 20 minutes, and then the rest of the film was something different. Uh, and that I feel like that could be something that happens again, is they'll be like, oh, well, we'll ease them into the idea of them being in the internet with referential humor, and then we'll do something. They d- it's similar to like Back to the Future 2, where they're like, they're going to want to see what the future looks like for a second, you know, and then we can actually mm-hmm. have a story. <laughs> Yeah, like, but the feature was the best part of them one. Um. Well, I, here's the thing. Um, I will say that it also did not feature what is the thing that sold me on this movie, which is the scene with the Disney princesses being catty jerks towards any other Disney property that isn't them and uh, are desperate for attention. 
Well, and I mean, as H, as uh, Casey's saying, that's probably going to show up in the first 15 minutes, minutes of this one, too. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I feel like that's something that actually is a good joke that actually is kind of a meta commentary on both the Internet and how Disney markets itself in a lot of ways. And I kind of really like that. It's actually kind of creative. Sure. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, like, uh, it's it's a uh, it's. I I honestly really do like I really did like the bunny scene. <laughs> I <laughs> that scene is hilarious. I, I don't give a shit. Like made me laugh really loud. And honestly, also, uh, real quick, I don't want to go into a huge digression here, but I really am annoyed when people go and say Dizzy was lazy here with when they made the baby Mo- when they used the baby Moana model for that. And it's like, no, that was deliberate. That is literally supposed to be an Easter egg. That is deliberately supposed to be the same. Like the, the, Disney does this kind of thing all the time, like all the time. Why? What? And it's not laziness. It's literally just, hey, I remember that thing. You know, that's yeah, what it is. I guess the the only difference is when you see like the the Pizza Planet truck and Finding Nemo and stuff like that. It's usually not something they put in the trailer. <laughs> It's typically, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess so. But I, I don't know. I just, I, it doesn't bother me too much, honestly. Like, it's I'm deliberately. I'm not that bothered. It's, it, it shouldn't bother anyone. Like, it's 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 the, the frozen hair cheat that happened all over again. The one where, like, Elsa is, like, flipping her hair and, like, it switches sides. And there's kind of, like, it kind of, they kind of cheat that a bit. I and still think it's going, funny. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. It's funny. And it's, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't really notice that unless you're like anal retentive about everything. And it's literally because they had to cheat that because th- otherwise the motion would make no fucking sense. Like that's, I, I just I they do they, they do this in all sorts of animated films and all sorts of genres and stuff. Like this is how movies are made. Don't be a jerk about it. Good lord. Um. But anyways, uh. So yeah, that's all right. Uh. Oh, while we're speaking of uh, 3D uh, animated movies, uh, I want to briefly touch upon... uh, So, one of uh, Pixar's key uh, key, uh, people in their uh, uh, visual department uh, died recently, uh, Bud Lucky. Um, He, if you don't know who he is, um, he's a legendary artist who uh, did... uh, all sorts of designs. He was actually the one who designed Tony the Tiger and uh, Toucan Sam and Snap, Crackle and Pop. Uh, and then later on in his life, he was hired by Pixar. Um, and he was actually uh, instrumental to how Woody was designed because originally he was like a ventriloquist dummy. And uh, basically he was the one who redesigned it to be a much more gentler kind of uh, looking uh, toy, like a like a plastic toy kind of thing. Um and yeah, he's he's a very influential figure. And also, if you don't know him from any of that, you will know him because he was the uh, person who did the uh, main voice and song and was the creative director behind uh, the Pixar short Boundin, which is the one with the jackalope and the sheep. Um, that was all him, like his voice, his song, all that. Um, and... That is one of the best shorts, definitely, that Pixar has done. I really love that short. It's super memorable and adorable. And uh, honestly, we are going to miss him. He he died at an old age, though. He was, uh, I believe, 83. Um, so he had a good long career. Um, so 
I mean, he had a good life, but it's still really sad to see him go, especially since he's made such a huge impact on, you know, animation in general. Uh, it's it's he's a huge part of our culture, and I'm sorry to see him go. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. And those were all like all of the characters that you mentioned. Those are all uh, a plus designs. Like if you if oh, you yeah. really think about like the effectiveness of all those, like I can picture all of those characters in my mind just on on mention. Yeah, no, uh, he's he's he is utterly incredible. If you see any of his original concept art, uh, it's just stunning looking, and like it's he he's done some of the best. Uh, like concept art I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely uh, cl- body of work that he's had. And uh, yeah, he will be missed, honestly. Oh, uh, while we're still talking about Disney, let's go on to uh, how there are going to be two new uh, Disney animated series. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's okay. So, uh, three actually. On... I have a uh, I have another new story to talk about on that front. Okay, yeah. Uh, did you want to go first? No, you go first. Cause I got well, one. I mean, well, okay. So basically, um, the story is that there's gonna be two uh, new animated shows that are gonna be on Disney XD. One called Amphibia, uh, which is a uh, created by Matt Braley, uh, which is about uh. He was a director and a storyboard artist on Gravity Falls, and it's about uh, a girl who uh, gets lost in a frog-like kingdom, basically, and uh, and basically, like it's it's just like a cute little fantasy series that actually looks really, really. I love the art style already, uh, and I look forward to it, especially since it's from a Gravity Falls alumni. Um, and uh, the other one that's also from a Gravity Falls alumni is called The Owl House, which is by Dina Terrence. Really excited uh, for this one. This one is a horror comedy, uh, and it's all about uh, a teenager who goes through a portal, ends up befriending a witch and a tiny warrior. And it's, yeah, it's a horror comedy in the same vein as, say, like, Gravity Falls was. And uh, I am excited because both of these look really interesting, both uh, star female protagonist, which is always cool. Um, one is made by a woman, which is great. And uh, yeah, it, I like I like seeing a good like uh, I like a good horror comedy. So horror comedy, I think, is in my that's one of my favorite genres or genre mashups. I don't know what to call it. Like uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just thinking like Evil Dead to uh, oh yeah, or like uh, like. Oh, what are some good examples of cartoons that were that? Well, Gravity Falls for one. Yeah, Gravity yeah. Falls. I I see that as kind of like a slipstream sci-fi comedy in the in the vein of like Twin Peaks ish. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of a. I feel like that's kind of a popular genre right now, and that makes me very happy. Uh, oh yeah, and the sure. art the art looks fantastic. So, very excited for that. Uh, also, just in a brief, uh, we'll mention uh, Star vs. the Force of Evil is moving from Disney XD to regular Disney Channel, which is great because that means it's going to get more exposure. And it's approved for a four season as well. So, uh, yeah, we're going to that show, which is honestly one of my favorite shows right now, is going to get more attention. 
and it's getting another season. So that's always good. I still haven't Very seen all third season season, so don't please don't spoil it. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so Cirque, what did you want to say? Okay. Um, and it's in a new subject that might as well be the answer for our prompt this uh, this time around. Disney, I'm just going to read off the, uh, the deadline article here. Disney Junior has begun production on The Rocketeer, a new animated adventure series aimed at kids two to seven, inspired by <laughs> Dave. The Rocketeer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the freaking Rocketeer. Uh, I hope they. I hope they keep the like the Nazi symbology in there. <laughs> so wait, the rock. Okay, so this is not like regular Disney or Disney XD. This is no, like Disney, this is Disney, Disney Junior. Junior. Yes. What the. F- <laughs> <laughs> this like that's the rocketeer okay okay uh, i have not seen the rocketeer i know that's blasphemy i definitely need to see it but uh i know enough about the rocketeer to know that that is completely batch like yeah like, <laughs> like we've been asking for, like people have been asking for a sequel or a series or some sort of sequel like something that was a continuation of that because that was like one of the big cult classics of that era and this is the response I mean, I mean, apparently there was a sequel still coming out that might still be happening, but this is just, I'm just going to read the description here. The Rocketeer follows Kit, a young girl who receives a surprise package on her birthday, revealing that she's next in line to become the Rocketeer, a legendary superhero who has the ability to fly with the help of a rocket-powered jetpack. Armed with her cool new gear and secret identity, Kit is ready to take flight and save the day with her gadget-minded best friend, Tess. Tesh, and airplane mechanic Ambrose, who join her on epic adventures. Each episode of The Rocketeer will feature a pair of 11-minute stories and include an original song. I mean, oh, what? <laughs> wait, what? Whoa, you, know, okay, you, know, was, you know what kids love? The Rocketeer. <laughs> kids I mean, well, like, cannot stop talking about The Rocketeer these days. Kids just can't stop talking about the golden age of Hollywood. That's a big new trend. <laughs> I, I I have a feeling like somewhere this was something that a guy or woman or someone pitched uh, that they, they wanted to do an animated Rocketeer series because they were such a huge fan of it. And uh, they pitched all this basically the same idea. Uh, but for some reason, Disney saw this and decided instead of making an XD show or something like that. And this goes on Disney Junior. We're going to have this musical numbers in it, too, as well. And it's like, what logic is any of okay, this? Okay, you know what? Because like, the, the premise isn't flawed. The premise isn't flawed. I it's like so, the idea. It's so crazy. <laughs> it just <laughs> might work. <laughs> or it might just be a complete obnoxious hell. You know, it's just like, I, yeah. I, I, it, I mean, that's a, here's the thing, though. It's like. There's nothing wrong with any of the premise here, except for the fact that it's coming on Disney Junior of all yeah. places. <laughs> like, there's like I'm okay with a female rocketeer, or even if it's a modern take on it. I mean, it's less exciting that way, but still. Um, or if it's like you know having how like different sidekicks, like a really smart engineer girl, or and stuff like that. Fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that, except for the part that it's on Disney Junior and it's gonna have musical numbers. Like, what is going on here? It kind of feels like 
like, here's my theory. Like, they're trying to do a synergy attempt to, like, start getting people ready for the sequel when it eventually comes out. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe the sequel is so far down the road that they're trying to get the people jazzed <laughs> who will be adults by the time it comes out. Like, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> and, then they, and then the little girls who see this movie, when it finally comes out, sees all these, like, futuristic steampunk Nazis, and they're going... They're just confused because they don't know what the hell they're looking at. Well, they will though because they will though because they'll be grown up. They'll they'll be primed oh, yeah. and ready. They'll be watching the cartoon okay. when they're 5 and when it comes out and they're 18, it'll be <laughs> <laughs> it'll be perfect. No, it's a, okay. it's, it's a slow <laughs> it is a slow burn marketing campaign. <laughs> you just pitched you you pitched a version of this that is basically instead of banking on the nostalgia of the current version of the Rocketeer, that Disney is just going to do a one up thing where they're going to make a new version of it so there can be nostalgia for that one and then do a remake of that nostalgia <laughs> later well, on. I'm, no, like, what I what I'm what I've just pitched is reprogramming children like years in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we kind of already dealt with that with yeah, our childhood. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we are dog people because of them. So it is true. Speak for um, yourself. I'm not a dog person. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not a dog person. Uh, neither is Cirque. Uh, but they definitely made a lot of dog persons. Tiny dogs folks. Cartoons. <laughs> Cartoons. Cartoon House. Um, okay, just two more things, uh, at least on my end here, unless you guys have something else you want to talk about. Nope, that's uh, all me. Okay, uh, so, uh, real quick, uh, just as, just as a short little aside, uh, so, uh, they're actually making a spin-off, so, sort of spin-off series of BoJack Horseman on Netflix, uh, called, uh, Tuca and Birdie, which is a, uh, basically, it's not really necessarily a spinoff of Bojack Horseman, at least not as far as I can tell. Um, but it is made by Lisa Hanawalt, uh, who is the art designer of uh, Bojack Horseman. Uh, she did all the artwork and is also being produced by the creator of Bojack Horseman, Raphael Bob Wasberg, uh, and uh, Noel Bright. Uh, and basically, it's, it's it seems like it's about two bird women living in an apartment and kind of like, it's kind of like a sitcom-y kind of scenario. There's not a lot of details of it other than like a promotional still, but uh, I am 100% for this because Lisa Hanelot's art style is wonderful and more animal people shows for adults. I'm excited for that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Perfect. That's, yep. Not long short to say to that, but I like that. I think it's neat. Um, the only other thing I really want to talk about is that uh, I got curious the other day, and yes, I did actually watch an episode of Pinky Elmira and the Brain. Was uh, it the first one? Uh, yes. I've seen the uh, first one. I've seen the first one, and I actually did get through halfway through the second episode, and I got I, I just got distracted with something else. But, um, okay, so... This show, like, you're right, Casey, there is a part in the intro that literally is just them making fun of the fact that executives ordered this to exist. Yeah. Um, Because, <laughs> <and laughs> like, like it literally is, like, uh, like it's, like, Pinky and the Brain, Pinky and the Brain. Oh, no, it's, like, uh, Pinky and my and the Brain or and stuff like that. The executives want it, so why should we complain? <laughs> yeah. And, <that's> <laughs> and they're getting kicked they out of the Warner Brothers building. Is, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, 
but no, like the thing is, is like, uh, oh, and also I do want to do a correction because uh, last time I talked about Pinky Brain, I actually looked into this uh, and that you're right. It Technically, Pinky and Elmer and the Brain happened after uh, Pinky and the Brain. Uh, like it was like <laughs> sort of like a continuation season of it. Uh, and that honestly, like when I learned that, uh, it basically reinforced that uh, my th- pet theory that uh, Ted Turner hates money um, because <laughs> between uh, that and canning Freakazoid, because it, despite its popularity, uh, it wasn't getting a child children's audience, so he didn't like it, so he canceled it. Uh, also killed SWAT cats because he thought it was too violent for kids. Yep. And just <laughs> also like and creating Captain Planet, too. So there you go. <laughs> um, but no, like seriously, like it's it's such a. Uh, Pinky on my brain is not necessarily a bad show, at least from what I've seen so far. It's just it's underwhelming. Just, it's underwhelming and inexplicable. Um, because like basically the premise is that Pinky and Brain are basically in hiding. And when they did so, they got accidentally picked up by Elmira at a pet store, and now they're basically owned by it. and like there are things about that dynamic that are kind of okay. Like I do like how incredibly stupid Elmira is and and it, it leads to some really funny moments where brain is just able to convince her uh of complete nonsense um but like it, it, it honestly does show that yeah in comparison to Elmira it definitely does show that he is an intelligent person in comparison um uh but you know the only thing I really want to mention here uh is that other than the tone being completely off at times, uh, I'm not sure. Like, it seems like the 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 taking over the world plot kind of is like secondary to everything else, which is really sad. There's also a character named Rudy who is a love interest of Amira's, which exists for some reason. She's I don't like know a why. Kid though. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, and the. Uh, the only thing that like, I could really think that was uh, genuinely funny were two things. One, um, there was uh, the school that Elmira goes to since she can't be going to Acme, Acme University, which sucks. But uh, but she's going to uh, Chuck Norris Grammar School, which <laughs> I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is actually pretty funny. That actually made me laugh. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the only other thing is that... Uh, there's a part of the, the first episode where Pinky goes like, where they do the, uh, are you pondering what I am pondering? And then Pinky goes, uh, I think so, Brain. But if he knows that it's going to tip over his car every time, why does Fred Flintstone order those ribs every single day, every single week? And yeah. uh, <laughs> and then at the very end, which which is good, but then at the very end of the episode, Brain, when he's utterly defeated and dejected, he actually answers Pinky's question <laughs> and that <laughs> <laughs> and just say, explaining to him in a gentle way that that is a introduction for uh, the show. He this is something that's canned and they repeat for every episode. It is not like it's not that Fred Frenzo is ordering it every beginning of every episode. And then Pinky goes, oh, OK. <laughs> doesn't doesn't that feel a little metaphorical though for how the writers must have felt going into this uh whole enterprise like, like how so well like just just like the the 
you know, like, like, all right, it's, it's defeated. We're defeated. <laughs> we made Pinky <laughs> Elmira in the brain. Yeah. Like, you know. It kind of sounds... Like, oh, go on, go on. It kind of sounds like they jettisoned a lot of what made the original show the original show in favor of, like, sitcom nonsense. Oh, yeah, that's 100% what it is. Like, there's literally yeah. an episode where uh, Pinky and the brain try to get Elmira to win a spelling bee. Uh, <laughs> and I guess the main reason justification, like I actually did not catch this until the very end of the episode because I completely spaced it. But apparently it was because there's a prize cash prize and they're trying to do that to create a Jurassic Park or something. But that's like so not relevant to the actual. Yeah, plot. it's really it's, it's very ridiculous. subdued because they had to make a cartoon about a about a, a young girl. And, you know, like it's I feel like. uh like this, this cartoon is not the terrible cartoon I think everyone makes it out to be. Um, it's just not. It's, it's not just Pinky not the great. Like it's it's not as good as yeah. It's just not as good as Pinky and the Brain, and that you know, like no, I'm not. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just not like it. It, it sounds like like when you hear the concept of Pinky Elmira and the Brain, it sounds like it. It sounds like it's just awful, and it's not. It's not just awful. It's it's plain. It's uh, kind of bland. <laughs> yeah, know? no. I mean, like the thing is, it's like uh, it. I I don't want to talk about it too much longer. I just yeah. Uh, like basically, just that like uh, the problem with Pinky Elmira and the Brain is just that. We had a series that was not broken, and they tried to fix it, mm-hmm. and that sucks. <laughs> That's never a good idea. That is what killed the real Ghostbusters. That is what killed so many good shows out there, uh, and it sucks. It's lame, and I hate it. It's I, what I, it's, tr- it's what tried to kill Fairly Odd Parents over and over and over again. Yeah, I know. That fucker <laughs> just wouldn't what, die. Like why? What? Is why is our isn't it just Walking Dead at this point, though? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think, Fairly Odd Parents is finally dying, or is not if it isn't already dead. But like, it's, it's, it's like, how the f- did of all the shows to go through all these retools after retools after retools that that show survived for so long? Like, I mean, I think the only retool that I can say didn't kill a show, in my opinion was when they brought back Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and when they did that, they had it during the school year, so they're in the school, which definitely made the very empty streets and hallways a little bit more confusing, and a lot less adults being around a lot more confusing, but it didn't necessarily kill the show, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's neither here nor there. I just, I hate it when this happens, and it's annoying. Yeah. But... Uh, so yeah, that's, I guess that's all the cartoon news. Uh, so, uh, uh, Casey, oh, wait, you said that you were, uh, you were all good on news, right? I don't have anything. Okay. Okay. So, uh, now that you're done interrupting me for no good reason, uh, we're going to go back to, (laughs) we're going to go ahead and go into, uh, the actual podcast itself, which is where we watch cartoons that have fallen into the public domain or, uh, are just generally easily accessible. And we have a big, big uh, collection here that we're going to go over, and we're going to see if they're good or not. So, uh, all right. So now I have 
The List. Drumroll, if you would please. Let's get something that doesn't suck! Oh, hey! Um, so we are going to watch a Betty Boop cartoon! It doesn't suck! Goody! Uh, and we're gonna watch one called A Little Soap and Water. I'm not sure what that one's about, but we shall see. I wonder if she sings during it. I wonder. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that was that was a really like that was a really enjoyable cartoon. It was a very nice. wholesome cartoon about a dog bath. Uh, I was I was actually thinking that you meant that the, the clap didn't suck that time because the first clap did suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, this cartoon did not suck. It was actually really good because it's a Betty Boop cartoon. Those tend to be good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to really like. OK, so some notes. One, yes, the dog is adorable and the dog's name is Pudgy, which is the really good name for a dog. It's also what I call KC. <laughs> um, and uh, then uh, let's see. I mean, basically, the premise is just the standard uh, dog needs a bath but doesn't want the bath, and there's antics that ensue. Um, and it's 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 just a fun little cartoon. I like the little song that she sings, which, by the way, yes, she immediately sings right at the beginning. Sir called it. Oh, who would have guessed? Um, wow. Um, and. I don't know. It's, it's I'm not sure what really to say other than the fact that uh, it was good and it's cute and I really liked it. Yeah, um, I feel like there's right, not. Sorry. No, you go ahead. If you have something worth saying. <laughs> all go right. For it. Well, one thing that we found out in this uh, in this cartoon is that Bay Boop has the longest house on her block. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So why don't why don't we just like start from the beginning and just describe it like sure. we usually do? And maybe we'll find things to talk about along the way. I know. Uh, okay. Yep. So Betty Boop is filling up her dog bath and she's singing and she has a puppy in the living room and uh, the puppy gets the puppy, called into the kitchen. Well, the puppy holds, has a uh, bone that they're yes. eating and then the, when they're eating, like chewing it around, they accidentally top, topple it on top of the uh, bucket of coal. And when they're trying to get it up there, they get a little, they get suit all over themselves. And then, yeah, uh, Betty Boop calls the dog in. And at first he's super excited, but then he has sort of a walk of shame once he realizes, oh, wait, bath time. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, and so Betty Boop has to chase him around the living room. Because he decides, no, I'm not getting a bath. And they, and she chases the dog under the carpet for a, a pretty long time. Like yeah, that of, was yeah. like, it was like 45 <laughs> pretty, seconds yeah. of dog carpet. A pretty um, lengthy segment of just two lumps chasing each other under the carpet. Uh, and then, uh, well, I remember Boop, the sequence of everything. Well, Betty Boop uh, catches the dog cause he climbs out of the carpet and then rides on her rug lump and mm-hmm. then she uses that opportunity to catch him. And then they, she starts uh, washing him. And then he escapes. And he gets he, he's apparently very exhausted by all of this. Like he is just like he looks like 
dejected and talking and just like is hiccuping bubbles. Um, and then and... does he get chased around again? Is that yes, what happens? Yes, he does. Yes. Yeah, uh, and that's that's again. the part, and that's the part that had the looping backgrounds, you know, where and like uh, it was, it I, was really, really obvious looping. Like Casey was calling out, "Oh, hey, it's that armchair again! Oh, hey, it's that armchair!" <laughs> like, again. wow, wow, they have the. She has so many of the same armchair. In fact, she has so many of the same everything. It, it looks. <laughs> If you pay attention to the background, which they expect you not to, it does look like Betty Boop just has. It looks like she copied and pasted the same room like four <laughs> times. <laughs> she's 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 playing The Sims Four, and she used one of the stock bath uh, stock hallways over and over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so and uh, but no, like then like uh, let's see. I mean, like there's a lot of uh, I mean, sh- the dog kills some goldfish. <laughs> and then uh, he then destroys a piano and a piano chair and then her f- floor because it's the, the chair spins around so much it flies in the air and then it drills into the earth. And then Betty Boop finally catches her, uh, catches Pudgy and then uh, gives him the proper bath, then dries him off by putting it in a, like a weird like treadmill thing i think and he, I, like, I it's like it's like a circular towel that he runs along like a hamster wheel kind of yeah which yeah. i guess sure sure and then and then uh baby ties a bow on him and he's adorable and then and he sings the second starts, half of the song it, it it bookends with the first and second half of the song like they all do but um, not before pudgy uh Gets covered in coal and becomes solid black, which, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, that's how it ends. Uh, yep. I mean, there's not a lot of really funny things to say about this cartoon because it is no, basically it's not just, funny. <laughs> it's it, no, it's well, I mean, it's, it's a funny cartoon. Yeah. It's just it's not a it's just not funny to riff at it because there's not a lot really you could say. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, it's very wholesome, very safe. It's delightful. Uh, Yep. Uh, I, it, I will say that I enjoy that Betty Boop in this cartoon is a single uh, woman with a pet, and that's about it. Um, that's nice. That's yeah, an interesting yeah. character for the time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's well animated, which, oh, you know, yeah, of well, course it is, because of the Fleshers and, yeah, uh, it's, it's, and their animators. Uh, well, one of the directors of the show uh, short was named Adolf. That's another notable thing, I guess. <laughs> And one that's named someone in, involved was named Edward Nolan, and I. <laughs> and when it came up, I thought it said Edward Norton. Because so, we all know yeah, that Edward Norton like, is like, stuck in time. Yeah, Edward Edward Norton, yeah, or he's a vampire. He's, <laughs> Keanu Reeves bit him, and now he's also a vampire. <laughs> and he and he used to work on Betty Boop cartoons. Yes. That's how he uh, rolls. Yep. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's a it's a cute cartoon. There's not much you can say. Uh, I'm actually kind of happy that there's not a lot to say about this cartoon because it's it's a good uh, one to start the show on. I think definitely yes. And also we've spent a half hour talking about cartoon news, which is very long. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So then in that case, uh, we're gonna go back to the list. Drum roll. Uh...
Um, our first cartoon is Hunky and Spunky what? in Vitamin Hay. Have what? we seen Hunky and Spunky already? No, this I, name is new to me. No, who did? Oh, I was thinking Wacky and Pecky. All right. Yeah, no, I, don't know know right. Who the, I don't know who the f- Hunky and Spunky is. <laughs> All I know is that the, one of the guys' name is Spunky, and that does not bode well. Um, All right. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, that was really adorable. I like this cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. So it was really good. So back to back, uh, back to back, Flesher cartoons. Uh, yeah, that I was liked, really yeah. surprising. I liked this we all one. we all had a very big uh, shock when we saw in like the credits. Oh hey, this is Max Fleischer yeah. again. I liked uh, I liked this cartoon better than the last one even. Uh, no, yeah, I for sure. That. Cause, cause I, cause uh, the original, the first short we watched was just kind of derivative of a lot of different things. Which, to be fair, it was probably a new trope then. So who cares? Uh, but like in terms of like, uh, but I feel like that this was like a much more wholly original concept, mm-hmm. and I really like these characters. They're adorable. Uh, so uh, Hunky and Spunky, they are a pair of donkeys. Uh, and I looked it up. Uh, Hunky is a mother donkey and spunky what? is a baby boy donkey and would not would not have expected her uh her to be a mother i thought with the name hunky it'd be like a dad apparently that's established in an earlier short for these characters sure oh, all right but um but yeah that's that's why the that that's why that uh she, she is so motherly to spunky um and I mean, yeah, it's just it's a really cute character design. Like it's uh, I feel like Disney kind of ruined donkeys <laughs> in a lot of ways. Donkey. But, well, OK, DreamWorks ruined donkeys for a modern <laughs> age. Uh, but back in the day, uh, back in the day, uh, donkeys uh, were ruined by Disney because of Pinocchio, because um, Oh my God! So many people were utterly terrified by uh, that Pleasure Island section. <laughs> oh yeah, eh, not everyone. <laughs> well, I mean, enough. <laughs> that was actually people something. That was actually something my parents used to threaten us with <laughs> growing up. Like if <laughs> oh we God, weren't if we weren't behaving, they'd be like they'd be like we wouldn't want you to go to Pleasure Island and turn into a donkey. And apparently, they <laughs> apparently they said that to me once, and I cried. Uh, so oh like, god, no! <laughs> That's horrible. Oh no. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but like it's a um but I mean it's it's a it the the short uh basically uh it, it does a little nice little A plot and B plot. Uh then sort of a C plot. It kind of well, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a B plot or anything. It's just it has a sequence of events that's non-linear. Yeah, um, it has it has a conflict that opens into another conflict. Right, and like, uh, so the first conflict is that so it's dinner time for the donkeys, and uh, they get uh, hay, and they're all super excited. But then uh, the spunky notices that his hay is got a bunch of uh, vitamin hay in it, which is stuff for growing donkeys. And he hates it. It tastes like garbage. And he tries sneaking away, but... Uh, Multiple times. Always keeps on getting caught by a uh, mom. 
Yeah. And uh, basically what happens is that she tries to entice him to eat the hay. Um, and by, by hiding a sugar cube inside of it. And yeah. then he just blows the hay on top of the sugar cube off and then eats the sugar cube. Yep. And just then, like his yeah. tongue skillfully wraps around the sugar cube and just <laughs> <laughs> And he and he escapes. Uh he escapes. and and my favorite part of the cartoon is this part where he goes outside trying to find something to eat and he sees a goat eating a car. <laughs> Just just devouring the entire car. Piece by piece. I swear one of my favorite animal tropes of all time is goats eating literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not true, by the way. Goats don't really eat things like tin cans and, and all that, but it is a it is a funny cartoon trope. And yeah. I laughed when I saw it. Because <laughs> the donkey <laughs> the donkey who refused to eat hay thought the car looked rather appetizing, <laughs> which is Yeah, because there's a goat just biting off full metal, like, plating and stuff off it. Yes, and... Because, like, it's like Superman uh, in... Oh, God. Was, was, isn't there a cover where he's, like, eating a car or something? I don't know. <laughs> there probably is. The summer age is weird. Yeah, back in, back in the day when they... I'm trying to remember... Uh, there was some whole thing with, like, comic censorship where they had to do really weird ideas for a while. Oh yeah, that's well, the comic scope. Yeah. The thing so. the thing was with the uh Silver Age comic covers is that they were like, okay, we have to grab people, we have to like sell them on these comics. Let's have Superman do something really shocking like cutting off Lois Lane's air supply in space or marrying Jimmy Olsen to a gorilla so that people will buy the comics because they'll want to know or what becoming happens. or becoming Why the, pope of, the pope of yep. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the Pope of Earth? <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, like Superman. Well, obviously Superman deposed the old Pope. Um, oh, yeah. But, but no, like, uh, like basically, um, what I was thinking of was actually the parody covers of, uh, like, like they because there's a guy who drew a bunch of parody as if Marvel did the same thing that DC did, which is go really over the top with their clickbait covers. Um, and it was of, uh, Bucky screaming at Captain America, no, Captain America, don't eat your antimanium shield. Uh, and then Captain America goes, no, I must, I, it's the, the fate of the world depends on it. And he's got like the shield in his mouth and it looks really <laughs> convincingly real. So for a while, I thought it's that was so actually good. a real cover. It's so it's, good. It's a good cover. Um, but, uh, but no, like, so yeah, so the donkey tries, uh, eating, some car, and obviously he can't because he's not a cartoon goat, so he can't eat literally everything. Um, he does make a good attempt at the tire, which then explodes. We're not exactly sure why. I, like, okay, I think, because, like, so back in the day, car cars had, like, a, they had, like, two parts to them. There was the outer rubber part of it, and then the inside there was, like, an inner tube kind of thing that, like, held it up and stuff. Um, sure. But that doesn't explain why it just starts bubbling out of the hole that uh, the donkey made and then literally destroys the entire car. Um, like, I, I don't know. Um, but then he tries eating a horn. Uh, and I desperately, desperately need stills from this scene because there is a lot of choice frames. It's I very good. It. <laughs> Um, he just chomps down on that horn again and again, and then he starts pulling the uh, the little, like, bell end, well, ball end out, 
And as he does, the horn sort of comes unbuckled from the car and then eventually snaps back and then it shoots right down his mouth. Yep. He accidentally swallows the horn and now it is impossible for him to bray like a donkey. He's a honky uh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) A honky boy. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, now who's honky? Yeah. (laughs) So he uh, it's honky and honky now. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's even, that's even worse title. Good Lord. That could be um, that could be mine and HRT's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying There's to decide. I'm trying to decide whether or not that makes it into the show or if that gets edited out. <laughs> uh, my vote is keep it in. All right. Um, but um, but OK, so. uh but okay, uh, but yeah, then uh, basically, uh, what happens is that he starts when he's doing the honking, uh, it pans over to a goose couple, and the the uh, the male goose sounds exactly like the car horn, yeah, and like they're flirting around and all that stuff. And, and I think, I think it's want, implied just, to be a mating call, yeah, yeah. I but it's like he he just sort of f-ks off and yeah, he just, just goes he just somewhere dips, like inexplicably. <laughs> Yeah, like, he, there's no reason why he leaves. He's just gone. And He's then, just tired. He's done. Uh, he got well, like, all he wanted out of the experience. He just wanted one kiss. That's it. Um, and uh, <laughs> so basically it was just him like, pretend, like okay, so uh, I kissed a girl in front of a bunch of people. So no one's going to think I'm gay for another year. Good. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but no, so what happens is. Uh, so. The he's the the female goose while trying to find the male goose, uh, hears uh the donkey honking, uh and, uh, so then what happens is he she goes over jumps into the bush and starts kissing him, and then realizes that, oh wait that's just a donkey and she gets mad at him and he wants he can't stop making the brain because I think it's also that he has the hiccups so yeah he has he's involuntarily honking. A lot, which is offending uh, the goose lady a lot. Uh, so uh, eventually she leaves and comes back with the male goose. And in order to try to hold back the honk, he's just like literally holding down. Because like every single time he hiccups, like you can see like, the bulge of the horn just coming up his throat and coming up and down and stuff like that. Um, so he has to hold down that bulge while he's like in the middle of the hiccup. And he's like struggling to keep it down uh, while the goose is chewing him out. And then it, it gets disturbingly close to a part where the male goose is like really, really pissed off at the female goose. Yeah. Uh, and it looks really, really kind of like it's going in a weird direction um, with that. Uh, but then he, the donkey actually honks and then starts beating up on uh, on Spunky. And like... I feel like I've been talking about the plot so much. So uh, anyone else want to pick up from here? Yeah, I'll jump in on that. So this fight breaks out and I think uh, Hunky hears this, comes over, notices, oh, hey, my kid's getting attacked by a goose and then rears back and then kicks the goose out into like the air, like into in space or something because it's elon this is elon musk's next project he just sends a goose into space to join the car (laughs) whatever 
Geese deserve it, so. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I, that was a really timely joke, clearly, and it's never going to date itself, uh, especially when Elon Mox is clearly always going to be a high-praised figure and throughout history, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, but then after that, he's, like, so relieved to not be, because, uh, like, when when the female donkey, uh, or rather, spunky, or hunky, oh my god, uh, hunky. Hunky's the, the big one, spunky's the little mm-hmm. one. Yes. Uh, hunky beats up the goose, and when uh, spunky falls, he lands on his butt. It's actually really great because, uh, because hunky, uh, <laughs> kicks the goose, like, over the horizon. <laughs> like, it was like... <laughs> It, it, it actually took me by surprise like when I saw it a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like it's, but then like uh, Spunky's so relieved, he starts praying in joy and he eats his vitamin hay finally and he's enthusiastic about it because, hey, he's actually going to eat real food and not he try learned, to eat a yeah, car. He learned to appreciate it. Um, and he also learned not to cat call goose involuntarily. So that yeah. really will screw up stuff. So, uh, so yeah, this, this cartoon has, uh, this cartoon has really good character designs. Um, mm-hmm. yep. and, uh, fantastic animation. Yeah. Good expressions. There, there was a moment where hunky went wall-eyed where we just all started laughing. Yeah. I really love this cartoon. Also, it's like, good. There's also zero voices or title cards, which is always interesting to see. I like I like a good silent cartoon like this. Um, I mean, it's not a silent cartoon, but yeah, it's but, a cartoon. Yeah. You know, but it's 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 generally nice. I really really a like dialogue this. free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, dialogue free, and I enjoyed it a lot. Very good. Um, yeah. Yes, I I lament that I did not know about Hunky and Spunky a lot sooner. Well, there are about five more cartoons involving them on this uh, collection, so we still have more time with them, so. You're right, Cirque. And speaking of that collection, let us go back to the list. Alex Drummond, if you please. Oh, f*** you. What? We're gonna watch a Clutch Cargo cartoon. No, this is good! Uh, well, right. the, the one of the main reasons why I'm going, eh, is because the cartoon is called The Fredly Headhunters Episodes. Oh. Oh, God. Okay. Well... Uh, I was just expecting f***ed up mouths. Now we're going to get f***ed up racial relations. All right. All right. I'll watch it. Let's go. Oh, man. Watch Cargo and his pals, Spinner and Paddlefoot, in another exciting adventure, The Friendly Headhunters. So not only does it suck, but it also (laughs) it also was twenty minutes. 
So yeah. we we had this was the most excruciating twenty minutes of our podcast so far. I would disagree, uh, if only because like I, I could not stand any of the like any of the howdy duty crap we had to deal with. But those weren't twenty uh, minutes. Devil's Advocate, there was some really goofy, like, choices and shit that they went with this that we can at least laugh right. at. So, yeah, like, like there are, okay, so it's it's a Clutch Cargo cartoon for people who are uninitiated. Uh, clutch Cargo is done in a style that's very, um, uh, it's very mocked. It's, it's something like Spongebob and, and other, uh, and other cartoons have, uh, have made use of this animation style as kind of like the the gross outtake type things where so like what it is is they they kind of have uh they kind of have frames that last for five seconds or longer uh in which characters speak with mouths that are filmed on um so the mouths are video these these uncomfortably pale but also bright red lips. It looks like a Marilyn Manson and like, often photo often positioned in the incorrect place. Yeah, uh, and like and, and like the, the the weird thing about it is like when people like unless people like really exaggerate their mouth movements for some reason when like all of like the facial expressions uh, in cartoon characters given real human mouths just make everyone look concerned all the time about everything. Yeah, like, um, Clutch Cargo never has a face. Well, oh, no, he has one time where he has a face that's, like, more than just, like, absolute ennui. Like, it's... I, I, I have a theory <laughs> of basically what Clutch Cargo is by just the tone of his voice and all that kind of stuff is this is a show about a depressed man endangering a child with his pet wiener dog yeah like that is the entire dachshund and like yeah and i don't i don't think we're going to talk uh <clears throat> in in great detail about the story of this one because it's like i said 20 minutes and i don't yeah. want to but let me uh, just let me just get in here for a moment okay sure it's it's a actually go ahead casey i i'm damning there i'm sorry no go you're ahead. fine you you go okay you probably have better things to say than i do about it all right, so like just like trope wise, okay, there's a kid coming along. They did that in Indiana Jones. Uh, trope yeah, wise, sure, there's fine. a dog coming along too because sometimes they have adventure dogs or something. Why a Dodson? Why would you take a Dodson on adventures? Take like a German Shepherd or something. Dodson- it's not even like. I mean, I, my only thing I can think of is two things. One, it's a funny looking dog. Sure. And kids like the funny looking dog. And also because stereotypically dachshunds are a single color, so it's a lot easier to draw. <laughs> I, I can think of a I can think of a third reason. Like it's I think it I think it creates a lot of potential for conflict having a small vulnerable dog with you. I mean you have a child yeah, right there then. Like yeah. So but it's, it's kind of like the dog gets in more trouble than the kid does, which, granted, right. at least this is a cartoon where a little kid isn't like constantly in trouble. But like, like but here's here's the thing though: is uh, is child audiences really care when a dog is in trouble? Like that's their that primary concern, <laughs> and mine. Yeah. And I'm 26. <laughs> yeah, no, so. Um, like so, so like um, with like uh, like there's this whole thing that 
executives really, really pushed into it. And actually it was still going on until like late into the 90s and sometimes early 2000s that the idea that the only way a kid can relate to a cartoon or a show or anything like that is if there is a child character there that they could like project themselves onto, which I mean, there are times where that can work, but honestly, that is not how kids think of these things. It's like, true. That's not, At the same time, uh, yep. like, sorry, not not to, not to be disparaging to cartoons with child protagonists, because I think those are actually very effective, especially for children. But I think they have to be written from the perspective of children. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I get like gravity, like Gravity Falls, Steven Universe, like all of these cartoons have child protagonists, and they work because. They are children who believably are children and not kids who are written by adults. You know, Clutch Cargo, the protagonist of this cartoon, is not a child. He's an adult and he's a really boring adult, too. Yeah. So I mean, like, (laughs) basically, the premise is that uh, Clutch Cargo was at a book signing for his own book because apparently he's hot. And uh, then he gets called to South America where uh, this one guy is missing, like a friend of his or something. On a and plantation. Adult, he owns a plantation, just to get you yeah, ready a, for this. Yeah, he owns a plantation uh, in South America. And uh, what happens is that uh, while they're going over there, like his do- the daughter of the person that's missing uh, goes out to find uh, the, uh, the missing father without her, without, the, like... Uh, Without, like, waiting for Clutch Cargo because uh, this guy named Whiplash, who is a generic Mexican bandito of all things. uh, With his own little gang of Mexican banditos. It's the fucking worst. Uh, And, like, for some reason they're there and he's manipulating them so that he can own the farm, the plantation on his own. I I think they said something to the effect of those are the servants on the plantation. Oh, boy. Yeah. I did not hear that, but if that's the case, then oh boy. Um, so, okay. Then, but yeah, basically there's just a lot of shenanigans that happen. Uh, they almost get eaten by crocodiles. They have to go paddle through a boat. All that kind of stuff. And then um, they come across a bunch of animals, ferocious animals, like a crocodile, a tiger, and an anteater. And uh, it turns out, oh, these are all tame because this weird guy who lives in his pubic hair nest above the trees. Uh, <laughs> who is like, also made mostly of pubic hair. Yeah. Uh, like, he's he's just one red nose and a bunch of pubes. And, uh, and uh, this he he comes out and it turns out that he basically beat them into submission. Wait, what it sounds like. I thought I thought they were just old and he's taking care of them or something. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe they are that just could old. Be, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I th- yeah, he didn't just that they're old, but it just feels like the way that he named them, like, like they're named like Bash and Smashed, or like this is battered, beaten, and busted. Like basically, they're like named like they like a, like the way the naming convention is. It makes it sound like that he basically whipped them into basically being tame, which uh, is believable. Uh, yeah, it's believable. Um. And that's the nice way to put it. Um, so 
But then they've run into the old man in the jungle. It turns out he wasn't actually missing. He just went on a hooky because he was convinced by Whiplash to go out and just have fun in the jungle or whatever. Because fucking YOLO or whatever. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like on Walden Pond, kind of. Wait, I think the book is just called Walden, right? The I don't know. I yeah. am a dummy. <laughs> uh I've never even heard of that book. Of but anyway, all right, I'll tell you later. Henry David Thoreau lived. He lived. He lived by a pond for a, like a long time. That's it. Anyway, so okay. uh, sounds like an amazing classic there. Um, but uh, so, but then just like yeah, they eventually like they're trying to find where the, uh, the apparently they hear drums, which they call tom toms, even though they are not native. Like they're not. They're the not, people who came up uh, with Clutch Cargo didn't understand the difference between natives in South America and natives in North America. That's what I'm trying to say, is that, like, they, they basically, when you finally do see them, they're just Native Americans with bones on their heads or something. Wait, wait, and, and that, that, brings up, that brings up further questions for me, because there's a tiger in this. Does I, that I, tiger... Here's here's my thing. I I can conceivably can like there's a backstory behind the tiger where it's from a fucking circus or something. You can make that up. The, the I guess the whole can uh, just keep going. But basically, yeah. But they're like they're supposed to be the South American natives, you know, the indigenous tribes of those areas, you know. And but they're just they call the things like tom toms. They basically look like Native American stereotypes, and um. But before we even get to them, they have to go across a vine, which apparently is strong enough to hold all of them. And, like, there's a non-conflict about uh, the dog nearly getting eaten by a crocodile. And then... <laughs> they just go right to Cliffhanger at one episode, and they're like, oh, the dog's falling into the river! Next, See, the start well, next like, episode. And, that's, no, and that's, not the only, that's not the only non-conflict with this dog. And, like, that's, that's what I was mentioning earlier about the benefit of having a dachshund. <laughs> In a cartoon like this, is that you can fill time with tiny, practically non-conflicts. It's this dog is Scrappy Doo. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! No, this is Scrappy Doo's like grandfather or something. Yeah. Fortunately, it's a Scrappy. It's a Scrappy Doo that doesn't talk, but it's wait, a Scrappy Doo. Wait, so are you saying that the last episode of uh, Clash Cargo takes place in Miami, and uh, what's his name dies there, Palfoot? Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, like then like the freaking whiplash destroys their vine and they're about to die, but then they meet up with the natives and, uh, like, like the freaking title spoils it, like at the very, which is that they're the friendly headhunters, which was like, they're, they're teased yeah. throughout the entire I, so it's, five episodes and they're only there for like the last two minutes and internally out the reason why that they're friendly is because they're just basically white people who look like Native Americans. Yeah. Um, um, which is a very, very that era solution to that problem. Um, you know all the bad tropes of, like, pulp stuff? Clutch Cargo drams its f***ing face right through them. And, like, like, and then, like, they get all super excited. There's this really f***ed up animation that they repeat twice, uh, which is, like, like, cause yeah, the, 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 the blonde haired woman, she was not like kidnapped or anything like that. She just found the headhunters and they just kind of worked with them 
and she showed them how to cook uh, guamchi or something like that. I don't yeah, guamchi. It was guamchi, I think. Yeah. Which is a which stuffed is a- cabbage. Yeah, stuffed cabbage. Um, um and like it's so, so like the the problem with this to me is that their way of depicting like, oh, see, these people aren't barbaric is by saying, look, they're just like whites. Exactly. You know, and like um, further and and also the fact that the fact that these, you know, like that these people aren't barbaric is the plot twist just really sucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's there's so little good to say about the way that this cartoon represented but, anyone but white people. And that like, sucks. It, it really sucks. It really, really sucks. And uh, and then there's a joke where like they're like, well, what are we going to do with whiplash? And then it's implied that the natives ate whiplash. Which is that, there's your fucking punchline. That's where you end this arc on. Yeah. Good. Good. Good job. This. It's it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. So like like as so like this is something I kind of have to step around as a fan of Carl Barks, the creator of the character Scrooge McDuck. Also, uh, had uh, a, a fairly similar cartoon about cannibals, and um, mm. I don't know. It's I don't think I don't think we should be giving these people free passes because they existed in another time per se. Yeah. No. Well, well, no, you shouldn't give them a free pass, but you also have to understand that it was a different era. Yeah, no, I think it's important to consider the perspective there. It's not an excuse. Right. Like, I think but, that they understood. I think they felt like maybe they were being subversive and kind of interesting by having these people not be just these violent monsters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but it really wasn't that case because they're just basically saying that oh i went to oxford year uh, 63 and it's like so yeah so it's it's like it's like so like that is also classist (laughs) yeah it It really i don't know like this uh this cartoon just really it really sucks from basically every perspective you know like it's social consciousness is weak its animation is bad everything sucks it all sucks I like how they animate walking in that they just have like <laughs> a f- they just have like uh, a background and then they just you can tell there's someone like underneath that's just kind of like moving a like like a like a picture of people walking across the screen. Well, yeah, and and that's that's how they're, all they're, animation they're was done in the past with yeah. cells. You know, like like the, those are animation cells. That's historic, mm. but like. Uh, but no, uh, like they're actually moving the cell. Yeah, like yeah, the they're moving. They're moving like, the cell. They're not. They're not <laughs> taking pictures of it. They're filming the cell moving. Like uh, so, and I mean, and uh, apparently, he's, he's, like when I when say. I googled it, no, you got. Well, all I want to say about all of this is, I do think it's worth watching, because there's a lot of really inadvertently hilarious moments the here. part the part where they get attacked by crocodiles and then they uh, show the crocodile shaking like the most weirdest like vibration animation but i will also put a huge asterisk on that and that yeah it is problematic as all f- like yeah it no is, like, like every, it i think and i think that's i think that's implied about almost every cartoon we watch you know is that is that we hope people who watch it are seeing these things with an eye of consciousness 
Um, this cartoon, I wouldn't watch all uh, eighteen to twenty minutes of it. I would maybe, <laughs> I would maybe just get a sense for it by looking at you know a little bit, <laughs> because right. it is it is very interesting and it is a style of animation that we haven't seen before and it's one that we don't really see very often now and I think that kind of makes it fun to look at for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, the uh, the mouse sort of like disappeared for me after a while. Like, I, they blended in. They didn't for me. They all, they stuck out the entire time to me. The f- but, I, mean, I don't know. The, you can tell that they didn't get like a child actor for the, like the child's mouth because... No, they, they got a woman. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, or rather, they they got definitely a, like an alto or a soprano to play the child. Um, and it's, uh, it's, I don't know, like they uh, I, like the, I, can't I guess hate this cartoon as much as I would say I hated the Princess and the Popper. Um, oh yeah, no that that one was worse to me, but this one was yeah. still like I mean it's, it's bad. I don't know. It's I, I don't want to. I don't want to create a leaderboard of most racist cartoon uh, <laughs> this one this, but this one is definitely racist um and it's yes. also it's also bad from like if it wasn't racist it would be bad uh god we 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 almost almost went through a whole episode without having to talk about race <laughs> yeah like i was to be honest my fingers were crossed for an all fleshers episode <laughs> yeah well oh we well um yeah i don't know like uh Really I guess awesome. if, if there is if there is a saving grace to this cartoon's quality, I would say that like in spite of the illustrations not really counting as animation in my opinion because they are basically still frames like you would find in a comic book, they mm. were good. You know, like no. outside outside of the mouths, the illustrations at times, not the whole time, but at times, uh, yeah. seemed like they were done by competent people. It reminded me a lot of uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, of especially European cartoons, like not European cartoons, European comic books, like, uh, you know, like the, uh, uh Tintin, uh, yeah. Like, like Tintin or like, uh, or like the, uh, the Asterix, the uh, Asterisk, the, the ones about the Vikings, you know, like stuff like right. that. Like you yeah. could, you could tell that you could tell that the, the style of line work was very influenced by those comic books. And I appreciate that if there's, you know, anything to appreciate, uh, so I don't know. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want this to be a bummer. <laughs> is all. Um, right. I mean, no, but I, it feels I, a little that way. I mean, it's. I don't know. I I think it's an interesting time capsule, and I do think it's worth a watch. Maybe not the whole twenty minutes, but I kind of was into it to a degree. I just was really was floored by how just terrible it is <laughs> i also times. think there i also think there are parallels with like colonel bleep just in the way that uh that watching it will give you a sense for how storytelling has evolved since the time that these cartoons were created yeah oh yeah i like, agree with um, that I, I will say that like uh i feel like that uh you know i, I my fascination is probably related in the same way with colonel bleep in that regard because it's like something of its own era that's interesting and fascinating to look at but i'm almost certain that when we get to the other clutch cartoon cartoons i am going to be done with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
There, so. fortunately, there aren't all that many, but they are long. <laughs> so yeah, would uh, would this be the longest thing that we've seen on Toontown Public? Yes. Yeah, yes. I was thinking as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But on the bright side, but, uh, we we got side, I... we got two good cartoons today, and that is more than we uh, typically get. I would say. Yeah. I would say we usually get one. We get yeah. one good, one meddling, and then another maybe meddling or crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah. yeah. So in general, yeah this this was this was a good episode, uh, or at least it was a good uh, couple of cartoons with a really interesting little footnote at the end. Yeah, something something that I'm glad we watched though. Yes. So there um, you go. Yes. So. Uh, now that we are done watching our cartoon, we are going to go ahead and uh, go to our uh, prompts for this week. Now, every week, uh, we ask a question to our audience. We say so here on the end of the podcast, and we hear your responses either from uh, our email, which is ToontownPublicWorks at gmail.com, or on our Twitter page, which we post the question there, at ToontownPublicWorks. Or, uh, at Toontown Public. That's no, not Toontown Public Works, just Toontown yeah. Public. Um, and uh, the prompt for this week was, what is your favorite or is the most memorable cartoon adaptation based on a wildly inappropriate source? That is a very narrow question, but I I really like this prompt a lot. So uh, I went ahead and did it. So Thank yeah, you. it was Sark's idea. So uh, here's... Here's what's up. So we didn't get any responses from our Twitter, mainly because I think throughout a lot of like shuffling around, uh, we forgot to retweet it. <laughs> uh, so, Sorry. But, uh, we got a lot of sponsors from our emails at the very least. So uh, yeah, we're going to go there. Um, so our first response was from uh, Mikolith, who is a friend of the show. Um, Thank you, dude. You didn't necessarily respond to the prompt correctly, but eh, it's fine because it was kind of a weird prompt. So, and I like the response anyway. So, um, he goes, "Hi, gang. It's me, Miku. God, I said Miku. <laughs> uh, Hatsune Miku response. Hi, gang. It's me, Hatsune Miku, the original Yifmeister. Um <laughs> Hatsune Miku." That one's for free, Miko. <laughs> um, um, as a child, I was very into the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. As an adult, I now realize that show is bad. Netflix keeps trying to recommend it to me because people who watch other things I enjoy have rated it five stars, ironically. Yeah, I have that problem too. <laughs> so, like, alright, so being being a kid who's into video games at a time when video games haven't kind of exploded into the mainstream going to the uh going to the video rental store and finding the super mario super show was like mind-blowing oh, yeah. uh, i felt the same way uh, uh not not as mind-blowing as sonic finding out there was a sonic tv show was like we rented <laughs> it every week yeah no I, I was gonna say sonic and so, uh the live action super mario brothers movie those were like the two huge ones. And I remember I really wanted to get the DVD collection of the Legend of Zelda cartoon uh, when I saw it in Walmart one time. And that was before I knew the horrors that it would lay within. And I thankfully never did buy it. 
Yeah, you want to know the funny thing about that is like I had my first, I was probably, uh, I was probably 10 or no, I was younger than that. I must have been like nine-ish when I had my first Zelda mm. uh, phase uh, where, where I finally got into the series. Whenever, whenever Oracle of Seasons came out. Okay. Uh, and uh, I remember like searching online for Zelda content and pre-YouTube, <laughs> uh, like discovering there was like a Zelda TV show. Was like was like oh the world needs to know about this I need to know about this I need to watch all of them and like I searched high and low to find like any amount of the Zelda cartoon because I was obsessed with Zelda and I was excited for like this like adventurous Zelda cartoon experience and when I finally found a website that streamed it in like very low quality I watched it for less than a minute. I and had the exact same thing because I just remember when you were talking about all this that there was a I remember when I was at uh, school uh, one of the classes in computer classes they showed us a resource to find like things online and one of the things they linked was a place where you could watch cartoons for free and one of them was the Legend of Zelda cartoon and I was like oh my god I'm going to watch this because I would never because like I was remember seeing that DVD thing and I watched him in it and I hated it (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's Let's be honest. It could have been worse for you guys. You could guys could have ended up doing that, but with like Captain N, and oh my god, you have had the worst experience. <laughs> Lord Captain N. Captain N. Oh yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thanks Hatsune Miku. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, um, dude. So we also got a uh, response from uh, Gabe. So hi, Gabe. Um, Hello. So uh, one of the weirdest shows I found out uh, found out of was the Toxic Crusaders. It was based off the Toxic Avenger made by Troma. It took a very violent premise and turned into Captain Planet slash Ninja Turtle style cartoon, but it was very self aware of where of what it was. It even got merch. Oh, and uh, I I uh, I actually had some of that merch. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you really? Yes, I did. They put out a oh coloring book. A coloring book. You had a trauma coloring <laughs> book. That's amazing. Yes. I'm jealous. And the best oh part about God. that cartoon, they lived in Tromaville. Oh, yes. That is the best. Oh, my God. Jesus. Um, All oh, right. And, uh, so, oh, and Casey, it has a dog man smiley face. Uh, <laughs> that's what Gabe said. Okay. Well, now yeah. I have to watch it. <laughs> P.S. You guys are great and seem like sweethearts. That's very nice. Aww, thank you. Aww, thank you. We are we very are much sweethearts. So. Um, we're yeah, the nicest sweet. people on the planet Earth. And so humble. Oh, incredibly humble. I'm the hum- I'm, I'm <laughs> humblest uh, son of a bitch on this Earth. That's the exact same thing I said before. I cannot make jokes tonight. Um, well, we're okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, last one, uh, we got one from Earth Digger, and Earth Digger responded, uh, this was quite a hard one. I could think of plenty of cartoons that are messed up themselves, like the Brave Little Toaster, uh, but which aren't based on uh, an inappropriate IP. Most shows based off of things are inappropriate kids I haven't watched, though I feel I probably would have liked Little Shop for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no comment no comment um, i get what you're saying uh <laughs> so let's use some semi-inappropriate stuff 
In that case, I prefer to go with Highlander. I watch this all the time before school, but I recall the movie is an action film that, while it's Wait. not inappropriate, is not for kids. There was a Highlander yes. cartoon? Um, yep. Yes, I know what? about this cartoon. I haven't watched it, but I know about it because uh, it is one of the many oddities that came out of the Highlander sequels. Uh, and uh, there, there's like a... Like, I, I think it's supposed to be like... you. It's about this kid who is the next Highlander or something. And oh, so it's the Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> We're so, I, I, it's the same concept. Kind of. And it's just like, it's just. He gets, he gets a tiny little baby katana. Like, other than like there some throw, like some like throwaway lines, the film and like how they're all like, oh, stuff like that. It's basically just a fantasy cartoon. Um, Though I will say that the one Highlander video game that exists, or at least the one the one three D Highlander video game that exists, is based off the cartoon and not the actual movie. Um, <laughs> um, it's a weird thing, but yes, that definitely existed. <laughs> um, so thank you very much, Earth Digger. Uh, so what else? So who wants to go next? Um, um, I will go last if that's okay with you guys, because I have an answer and a honorable mention here. Okay. Um, all right, I'll go sure. first. Uh, so my pick for this one is a cartoon that I actually haven't seen that much of. Uh, uh, because of the prompts, I haven't watched a lot of cartoons extensively that I think uh, were adapted from. Uh non-cartoon appropriate sources uh so i just picked one that i liked kind of for its camp aesthetic uh and that is gilligan's planet <laughs> uh, oh my god if you <laughs> so if you're not aware and there is so much we could talk about like just branching off of this conversation uh, i believe it was hanna barbera got a hold of a whole bunch of sitcom uh properties mm. uh and it resulted in a bunch of cartoons wasn't there one um, that we've talked wasn't about there one that was mm -hmm. uh the fawns with a time machine he had a talking dog sidekicks yes there's one and that's the one that cirque showed us is is the fawns has a time machine and he's like traveling through time <laughs> with an and they're with trying an to get back Harry to the by jack and there's uh and there's a there's one that my favorite is actually one where laverne and shirley join the army <laughs> And like, what the? F and like, like the one thing that all of these cartoons have in common is that they added an animal companion to each yes. of them. Well, I mean, it's Hanna Barbera, so uh, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so like, like they added a character that children would have an immediate draw. They added a Scrappy Doo to each of these cartoons. Mm. Um, and, uh, and the, the one for Gilligan's planet. So Gilligan, I guess there was a Gilligan's Island cartoon that was very short lived. Uh, and Gilligan's planet kind of was a successor to that in a way, but in Gilligan's planet, the, the premise is they're stuck on the Island still. And even though they can't find a way to get back to land, they somehow managed to build a rocket ship that can travel to distant planets. 
and they all get on it and they ride off to some and they get stranded on a planet because of course they do. That's uh, the conceit of the entire TV <laughs> show. So they're stuck on Gilligan's planet and there's an alien creature that's kind of cute and that is the premise of the show. And the idea of that, like I I didn't understand... Like, there, there's that whole Homestar Runner, like, strong bad email about, like, they're still limousine, but they're in space. <laughs> and I didn't realize at the time that that's what they were mocking, but they were definitely <laughs> mocking, like, these specific yeah. cartoons. Oh, and Gilligan's Planet, for some reason, is the one that makes me laugh and also makes me the most secondhand embarrassed by than all of them. They got the original voice. They got the original cast to reprise their roles, by the way. The entire show. Oh, thing. yeah. Uh, Didn't they also I mean, get Henry you, Winkler to do Fawns in that one cartoon? Uh, I think they got. They probably got Henry Winkler to reprise the Fawns, yeah. I think they did, yeah. But, but yeah, like, if, if you if you only watch one thing from Gilligan's Planet, just watch, like, the introduction, and you'll get a sense for how, like, weird and bad it is. And that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. That's mine. All right. Um. So, for me... uh. So my choice would like if if I didn't feel like it was completely not exactly what this prompt entire in, like entails, I would say the Free Willy cartoon is my favorite one of these because like it is so incredibly far from the source material and it's just bizarre and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't really feel like it follows the letter of the law of this kind of conversation. So. I'm instead gonna go with Beetlejuice. Um, so that's a good choice. I, I remember loving Beetlejuice when I was Beetlejuice, watching it on TV right? growing up. Like that's that's a cartoon. Beetlejuice a cartoon was a legit that, like, good show. I don't remember. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember loving. I I, I remember a. I remember chunks of it. I haven't seen the show in a good long time, but I really like uh, the clips I've seen of it and. It honestly has a really good art style. Like it's it's a very memorable adaptation of a cartoon, and yes, it is wildly inappropriate because of how freaking like messed up the original Beetlejuice really is. Like, also the premise doesn't fit in with the movie at all. No, I remember, I remember my friend. One of my friends had an existential conflict when I said, "Yeah, Alec Baldwin really changed. Like he he doesn't look the same as he did when he was in Beetlejuice." And my friend was like. Alec Baldwin was the Beetlejuice guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but, like, I, I guess, like, Beetlejuice falls into a category uh, with a bunch of other cartoons that I grew up watching where, it, like, I didn't know that they were adaptations at the time. Um, uh, Beetlejuice, the other one, the other one I can think of is Ace Ventura. Right. Where, like, when I when I finally went, like, we would go to the video rental store and we would find, like, VHSs and I'd be like, whoa, I watched the cartoon of this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, the reverse order that you're supposed to experience those things yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, but, like, uh, I did watch Beetlejuice as a kid because that movie is freaking great and I love it. And my, it my family had good – I was the one to introduce Cirque to Beetlejuice because for some crazy reason – Yeah, I really, really like, appreciate Beetlejuice, that. I like. I was so shocked that Cirque has not like. If you know Cirque, you would know that Beetlejuice would be one hundred percent his sh**, and it is. Yeah. It's like, um, so yep. I'm so happy that I was able to introduce him to that. Uh, and see, like, I was I was raised in a I was raised in a Mormon household, so a lot right. of uh, 
a lot of these things were foreign to me because of of Mormon standards too. Mm-hmm. So I I really love having those experiences of discovering something in reverse order. Decades, yeah, like decades after I was supposed mm-hmm. to. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, yeah. it that's a uh, Beetlejuice is my answer. So, uh, so good answer. So Cirque. Oh, okay. So my answer would be there was a show on UPN called Roughnecks back when it was back in like the UPN days where it it hadn't like merged with, I believe, the WB channel to become the uh, CW. Right. And it was a CGI animated movie. Now, I'm just going to start going down here. Executive director Paul Verhoeven. Uh, came out around 1999. Okay. It's a f***ing adaptation of the Star Trek Troopers movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> yep, it got... It got 36 episodes. It uh, it incorporated uh, stuff from the novels. It was actually, I think, from what I remember, I, I liked the episodes I saw. It's just... Really, 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 really weird choice to uh like basic cartoon off of because that is not a kid's movie. Well, I mean, see, yeah, like like that. That's another example of exactly what I was just barely talking about about growing up in a Mormon household. I didn't know Starship Troopers was a thing until I was probably twenty, and uh, and I still haven't watched it. Uh, so the first it's, it's worth the, it. the first I time say. I saw Starship Troopers was the riff tracks live that they did. Um, that's the... Wait, how'd they get past the violence? Uh, well, the violence wasn't a problem. The, the problem was the sex. And what they did is that during the live oh, scenes okay. uh, for that, they just cut to a gorilla in the audience, basically. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. That's great. Like, I remember, so I, like, I have started watching Starship Troopers, and it's, it's for, for similar, it's a similar thing where, so for a while, Rift Tracks had a thing where they would allow, I don't know if they still do this or not, they would allow user submissions where people could write in their own stuff. And when I was like 16 or so, that made me, that made me like, no, I was older than 16. I was almost 18 probably. Uh, I was really excited about the prospect of being able to put my own riff out on the internet for other people to listen to. So I put a call out on Facebook saying like, hey, who wants to do this with me? And uh, and I tried to get all of my funniest friends mm. together and uh, I still think I did a good job. I got my funniest friends together. It turns out none of us are funny while watching movies. <laughs> uh, Starship Starship Troopers, though, we got we got a little bit into until we saw nudity, and we were like, no, we can't look at that. <laughs> so, like, like my experience with Star- Starship Troopers is watching the first probably thirty minutes until they got to the shower scene. Um, but but anyways, um, like, uh, regarding Starship Troopers, it's just. Uh, I can understand some of the logic of making a movie of that. Not all of it, because it is, like, both the original source material and the adaptation have absolutely, like, no, like, childlike qualities to them at all. Um, But, like, I I can understand, like, that an executive would see a movie about shooting bugs and then saying, yeah. I'm super f***ing surprised that Verhoeven actually signed off on this. I mean, wasn't there also a RoboCop cartoon? Yes. Uh, 
There may okay, have been. Okay, that kind of makes more sense now. But. Yeah, no, 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 there definitely was. I remember that. And there was also an episode of the the Chipmunk show where they the the Alvin and the Chipmunk show where they did the mm. movies. Uh, whatever that one was called, there was a there was a Robo Monk episode. Was it really? I remember huh. that. Yes. Uh, I mean, um, like it's it's just like uh, the the Starship Troopers is interesting because the adaptation purposely criticizes the original. Uh, yep. And uh, like because the original is like a very arch conservative pro military war is good kind of thing while uh the movie Verhoeven kind of looked at the uh yeah the book and he was like this i'm not doing this let's do something well he, he looked at the book and realized like decided to make all the fascist subtext just text basically um and just made yeah. it into the style of a war propaganda cartoon or war propaganda film that like a nazi camp would like basically make um so uh no, it's it's just none of that fits with making a cartoon. And it makes a little bit more sense than their idea of them making an alien cartoon, which was apparently in the works, uh, but then got... Yeah, uh, that was going to be my honorable mention. Yeah, that, that that didn't go through because of reasons, and uh, but they still made the toys, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the but first, yeah, it's, the first it's adaptation, I feel like I remember being the appropriate age for both the movie and the adaptation for was the Men in Black. I was just about to bring that up. I was actually just about to say, honorable mention was that. Yeah. Now now that we're done talking about these, uh, let's go on to give out our next prompt. Um, and this one actually comes from KC. Uh, and this one is, what cartoon or animated feature... Helped you through a difficult time. I like that one a lot, dude. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I have a idea already. So uh, I'm going to uh, hold on to that until next uh, uh, next couple weeks. Uh, so, yeah. So I believe this has been Toontown Public Works. Well, uh, well let's... let's... another Potsa. Yeah, let's let's do our bumper stuff. Obviously. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to that bumper stuff. I'm transitioning to that. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah. So, if you want to write in to Toontown Pub Wars, either respond to a prompt in the past or the current prompt, or just to drop us a line, because we actually really do like hearing that kind of stuff, uh, just send us an email at toontownpublicworks at gmail Our Twitter account is at toontownpublic. Uh, we are still working on the Patreon. Uh, I recently moved, so obviously I can't do a ton of stuff. Uh, I couldn't get it up by the next ep- episode this was, but I did basically solidify a lot of what we're going to be doing. Um, basically, uh, there's going to be a newsletter, um, which I'll go into details when the Patreon is up. Um, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to have, uh, prompt submissions, which I may limit the number of, cause I don't want like a billion submissions from different people. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, and then uh, there is uh, our third thing, which we're going to have a bonus podcast, which we have settled the name on as Toontown Nights, because that is a fantastic title. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful thing for a spinoff. Uh, and basically, it's just going to be a show where me, Casey and Cirque, and maybe uh, Alex and... You know, if we ever get any, yes, we might bring those along as well, or maybe a key as well, because a key hasn't actually been on our podcast, so he should yeah. be on our. Or they should definitely show up on our podcast. Here. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, 
we we're going to all watch things that are like we, we're going to have like a little poll on on the actual Patreon where uh, uh, we actually can... have the uh, first movie picked out already. Well, yes, we have the first movie picked out, but how it's going to work is that we're going to have a little poll for people to vote on. Uh, and the winner of that poll is the one we'll watch. It'll be something uh, that we can find on a streaming platform. It's just easy to lead to for us to access. Uh, and... Our cup, uh, our cup runneth over with these, by the way. I can't think <laughs> of enough, like, bad cartoons for us to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, our first thing we're going to watch, because we're not going to have a poll up, but we're going to want to record all this. We're going to watch the Emoji Movie. Yay. Haven't seen it yet. Yay. I'm sure I'm sure it can't be as bad as people say, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so... Um, let's see. Uh, uh, if you want to, uh, share us around, you know, word of mouth is probably the strongest, uh, form of letting people know that we exist. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family. You can always retweet, uh, our tweets whenever we release the prompts there or anything like that. Uh, you can, you know, just subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I personally use Podcast Addict, um, and all the links to all our different places where you can get our podcasts are in uh, the pinned tweet on our Twitter account. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, all the uh, all the cartoons we watch will be in the show notes. Um, that's usually what KC says, but I'm going to say it today. Yep. Um, <laughs> you can find them at, <laughs> at ToontownPublicWorks.com. Uh, that's a nice place to watch them just because uh, they'll be embedded there. Yep. Yeah. But uh, if not, you can find at least all the titles of the of the episodes we watched, the cartoons we watched, and the years they came out. Uh, so you could at least like do a little research on your end if you yeah. have like a problem where like YouTube gets a little overzealous by uh, flagging a cartoon that's in the public domain as being a copyright strike thing. So which has definitely happened. <laughs> um, yeah, as a troubling trend. Um. Only other thing I would like to mention that's not our typical thing is just uh, I want to plug uh, Flash in the Pan one more time because uh, they've actually just got onto iTunes and have their own RSS feed. So you can subscribe to it right now. And I feel like that I didn't properly explain where you can get them before because they were on SoundCloud as well. Um, but yeah, they're they're really funny cartoon uh, like podcasts about Flash cartoons from the old days. Uh, the most recent episode covered. Uh, let's see. A ton of good stuff. Uh, they've, but they've already covered the ultimate show of Ultimate Destiny, and everyone else has had more sex than me, uh, and a bunch of other really classic Flash cartoons from the age that are I'm super nostalgic for. Um, and they're also really good people. So yes, uh, and they're also uh, let's see, what else is there anything else to mention? Well, of course, as always. Thank Alex for Alex and thank Aki for Aki. The show could not run without their uh, help in like re- like editing and generally taking our nonsense and turning it into something listenable. Yes, like turning all our terrible sweary potty mouths into <laughs> yeah. noises. Which is probably um, more of a problem this episode than even usual. Thanks, Flash uh, Cargo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so... I guess all that's left to say is, I'm HD Raccoon. I'm Casey the dog. I'm Sir the cat. And this has been Toontown Public Works. 
And these cartoons have been archived.